Yeah, that's a trick. <laughs> well, good morning again. How are you guys? Are you loving the uh, extreme heat? Isn't it fun to just go outside and melt? My goodness. I've, I've had better things that than heat. The older I get, the more I like the cold. I'm turning into a fallen winter guy. Like, give me so I can only, at, at the risk of an overshare, I can only take so much off. I can layer and stay warm. So, I give me the cold. But I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, a couple of announce, announcements before we jump into our message this morning. Um, in the back, so a glow. it's a ministry that meets here on uh, the second Saturday of every month. Uh, they have put together a card, a giant card, uh, for our local police officers. Um, and they have asked for anyone that's interested to go back. It's back in the back by the library on the table to sign it and just give a note uh, to the police officers expressing your thanks for their service in our community. This is for the Tooele Police Department. So if you're interested in doing that, it's back there. Um, Sharpies are on the table. Um, and then um, next week, this is really exciting. Uh, next week, we are starting our kids' ministry. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Next week, the 9th. Um, and so when it comes to the nursery, I will be in contact with you. I sent out an email this last week uh, putting out a feeler. Um, but we'll have that, that schedule put out. But the, the kids' check-in and everything is going to look different uh, for the, the safety of the children. And just because that hallway and the stairs get really crowded, uh, we're going to do things a little differently. Um, you'll come in. You'll still check in the same. But we've decided to try something new uh, and see how it works out. We're going to keep the kids with us during worship. Um, I think we've kind of lost something with uh, letting our kids see us worship God. And, and uh, we're going to allow them to be in here. And then during our five-minute break, we'll send them down. Um, and then when we're done, instead of parents going downstairs, we'll have a walkie-talkie system. So you'll stand up here. You can give your card to uh, Allison, my uh, lovely bride, and she'll say, this kiddo can come upstairs, and we'll send him upstairs, and then to keep the traffic down. Now, for moms or dads with um, infants, we'll have that available from the beginning, and uh, you can take your kiddo down there and drop them off and go down and pick them up if that's what you would like. But I'm really excited. We've got kids ministry starting next week. And uh, uh, and then if we've got uh, if you have any gifts, any tithe or offering that you would like to to give, we have the kiosk in the back there or um, online at lifechurchutah.com. Now I've got to I got to make this was brought to my attention last week. It's kind of embarrassing. You ever trust spell check enough to where you just roll with it? Well, I didn't spell the word incorrectly. But I used the wrong word. So last week I, I, I said that uh, um, heaven celebrates when people accept God's grace, I think is what it was. And it was, I did E-X-C-E-P-T uh, instead of A-C-C-E-P-T. So I've been corrected. 
Um, I used the wrong except, so um, I have learned. But uh, this week, we're starting a new series on the book of Galatians. Uh, and I'm excited about this series. We're going to take a few weeks and really dive into this short letter uh, written by the Apostle Paul to the church uh, in Galatia. And in Galatians 5.1, you get the heart of what Paul is trying to get across to the church there. Uh, Galatians 5.1 says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So Paul's plea through this whole letter is understand the freedom provided by Jesus and, and don't go back to the bondage. Um, specifically, he's talking about the bondage of the law, but we can apply that principle to every area of our life. Why go back to the bondage that we were in before when God has set us free from that? And uh, we're going to look at how the law was given as a way to show the error that man had made or the sin that man had committed, and God gave that law to expose that so that we could know and understand uh, what was needed uh, for uh, forgiveness. So we're going to dive into that. And we'll also kind of look at how um, Jesus is the only way to salvation. There's nothing you or I can add to what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. We can't add to it. There's, there's nothing I can do by my own works. There's nothing I can do by what I, I, I say that Jesus has paid for that in full. And then we're going to look at, um, explain who we are really matters. The, even though we have full freedom in Christ and uh, freedom to do what we want, that freedom should propel us to do what Jesus has asked us to do, that who we are, the way we live our lives, really does matter, and it makes an impact on our, uh, our personal life and into our community. You know, so today we're going to kind of dive in. To understand the book of Galatians, we've got to understand Galatia a little bit. And we have to understand the author of the letter. So we're going to start with um, Galatia. But the, the heart behind this series really is to challenge you, to challenge me, to help us to have a new vigor, desire for God's word. Um, I think something that we've lost a little bit is the willingness to hear truth. Uh, we don't want to hear it, so I might step on your toes, might ruffle your feathers a little bit, but I think sometimes we need that. Sometimes we've got to be challenged, and we have to uh, have things pointed out. Uh, it's only through the truth you can be set free from whatever it is you're going through. So I might ruffle your feathers. Uh, I'm not doing it to hurt you, but to help you. Um, but uh, just to, to, at the end have a true desire for God's word, true desire for freedom. You know, a little history on Galatia. Galatia was, it's a little region that's in the north uh, central of Anatolia, which is now modern-day Turkey. 
and it was settled by the Celtic ghouls in about 278-277 BCE, which is before Common Era. Um, for some reason, I don't know the full uh, history behind it, but they've changed from BC and AD to BCE and BC, before Common Era and after Common Era, I think is what it is. Uh, that last one might be wrong. But anyway, 278, 277 BCE, and the name comes from the Greek for ghoul, which was repeated in Latin, uh, by Latin writers as Gali. And the Celtics were offered this region, which is now Turkey, because there was a king uh, it, down below Turkey by the name of Nicomedes that had hired them as hitmen, more or less. Nicomedes was a king that had brothers that were, they all settled up a territory, and his brothers were like, this guy's not fit. And then he had the, the, uh, the Phrynians, oh, I'm saying that name wrong, but a kingdom above them that was coming down to attack him. So his military wasn't strong enough, so he hired the Celtics. In one of the, the studies I read, they referred to him as barbarians. So these were the bad dudes. They were the guys that you hire to take care of the, the people you want taken care of. And so Nicomedes did that. He hired them. And then after he pushed out all the military, he found that this little group of people really likes to pillage and plunder and was starting to affect his country. And so instead of, he knew he couldn't push them out because obviously they were much stronger, militarily stronger than his own country. So what he does is he offers them the region above, which is now Turkey. Little did the Celtics know that that land belonged to another kingdom, but Nicomedes was like, yeah, that's their problem. I don't care. And they, they settled into that area. And the Celtics were able to keep their culture for quite a while, but they were constantly being attacked, constantly trying to be overtaken. And eventually, the Romans overthrew them. But through the, those 200 years, the influence of the Greeks started to find its way into Galatia. And they moved into believing more of the, uh, the Hellenis Hellenistic uh, religions with Zeus and Hercules and, and the Greek gods, which is interesting because you find that it's almost was set up perfectly for them to accept Christ because they had wrapped their minds around a, a male father figure in Zeus and then his son Hercules, who was almost viewed as a savior figure, so when Paul came into Galatia, it was easy for them to replace that belief system for Christianity because God the Father sent his son as the savior of the world. Now, there's not much that's known about Galatia, really, um, and a lot of its recognition comes from the epistle written by uh, Paul. And uh, it's kind of through Paul's letter that Galatia kind of stays in the forefront of conversation. But um, Galatia was just a little town, a little region there in, in Turkey that uh, Paul had a great influence over. Now, when we jump into the story of Paul, it kind of reminds me of someone that I know, someone that um, was able to take rules and regulations and apply it to life and make things more difficult. Um, the person I am referring to is myself. Um, this, uh, 
I feel like every Sunday becomes like a, a therapy session. So to, today, <laughs> forgive me, Father, for it's been. Um, but so I grew up in church. In fact, I grew up at the West Valley campus. And um, I went every week because mom made me go. But it wasn't until I was about 19 years old that I decided that this is, this is what I want. I want to follow Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. And I made that decision. Now, where me and Paul differ is his change came at conversion, where when I gave my life to Christ, I became very good at legalism. I was very good at adding extra rules to what you had to do to be worthy, to be uh, used by God. You had to do this, 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 or that. And it, was, it wasn't very good. I was, I was on the fast track. I was going through school. And I was going to become a, a minister and, and go out and change the world. And God kind of pumped the brakes for me. I got through and uh, nothing, it's like all the doors kind of just closed. And I, I think God was like, you know what, young man, I like your vigor, but you got some stuff to learn. You need to go eat some humble pie. You need to understand that this is about grace. It's not about what you can do, but it's about my grace. And it took me quite a while. It took about 12 years for it to really start to sink into my thick skull. Um, about the time I came here, actually, and started leading worship is where that kind of started to shift. And uh, when we look at Paul's life, Paul was a man that um, was just like me. I mean, can you relate to that Set, having a set of rules that you have to perform a certain way to be worthy to do anything? Do you have a hard time accepting grace and what grace looks like and, and what grace would mean? Um, you know, and as I was studying uh, Paul and the book of Galatians, I had this thought that came to my mind. And the thought was this, there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it. That there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it. And I think Paul is a, a great example of this. And I'm going to use Paul's words to describe Paul. I'm going to use what he wrote in, uh, in his epistles. A lot of Acts records of things that he has said about himself. So in Acts 22, verse 3, he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. Now, right here to us, it doesn't seem really poignant, but he's name dropping. He's, he's, uh, Gamaliel is no guy to, to just scoot over. He was the top Pharisee in the land. He, his influence was so great that not only did he have influence over the Pharisees, but also over the Sadducees. We see his, this example where the church, while it's being persecuted, uh, there are two people that are on trial, basically, uh, and they're going to put them to death. Now, Gamaliel is there uh, in the council listening, but he's not part of the council. And as they're about ready to make their judgment, he stands up and he says, well, hold on, guys. Without being solicited, without being asked to give his opinion, he stands up and says, 
why do we need to kill them? Well, don't, don't you remember that one guy? He took 400 people, and as soon as he was dead, everything dispersed. And then we had another guy who did the same thing, and as soon as he died, his whole thing stopped going. This is probably the same thing. Let them go. If they die, the whole movement will probably just stop. But if it doesn't stop, then you're probably doing it. You're working against the will of God. And so they met in the middle, and instead of killing them, they flogged them and let them go. And the believers uh, counted themselves um, blessed that God would consider them worthy enough to be flogged for the name of Jesus. And Gamaliel, so you have two different names that can be given to you. And the name that was bestowed upon him is Ravan, which means our master, where the traditional name uh, was that was used that we see uh, given to Jesus was rabbi, my master. So the, the, the society had moved him to this place of great influence. He had his own school. He was teaching students how to be the best Pharisees. And so Paul is like, you guys know who this guy is. This is who I grew up under. You know, I'm, that's like saying, you know, I learned how to play basketball under Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is by, considered by most to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And if I were to say Michael taught me how to play basketball, that's the same thing that Paul's saying here. The Michael Jordan of the Pharisees taught me how to be a Pharisee. In Acts 23, verse 6, we read, Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee. In Acts 26, 5, he, it says, They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. In Philippians 3, uh, verses 4 through 6, it says, Though I'm, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He is throwing out his credentials. On the eighth day, I was circumcised. I had no part in it, but hey, I'll take credit. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, one of is a uh, Jacob's favored sons. I am of that tribe. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, and to the law I am a Pharisee, which means I know the law better than anybody. And as to zeal, no one has more zeal than me. I persecuted the church. I went after them. And as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now that's quite a claim, because no one can be righteous under the law. That was the whole reason Jesus came and died for us is because we cannot attain righteousness through the law. But he's saying, I was blameless. So he's, he's, he's touting himself pretty good. And then when it comes to persecution of the church, he says in Acts 8.3, it says this, But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. In Acts 22.4-5, through 5, I persecuted this way, the church, to death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. 
as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Acts 26, 9 through 11. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in the raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. This man's zeal against the church was so great that he was not only, he wasn't content with ending it in Jerusalem, ending it in Israel. He was going to go to outlying territories, and he had the authority given to him by the high priest to take them, capture them, if it was in their home, if it was in the streets, if it was in the synagogue. He was going to take men, women, bind them, and drag them back to Israel to imprison them or even put them to death. This dude was he was, a, he was, he was a bad man. He was, had a heart that was extremely hard. And we find a, the, the best example of this with the story of Stephen. We find the story of Stephen in the book of Acts. Stephen was a young man that was a disciple and a believer in Jesus. And he had found himself in a situation where he was in a conversation turned into an argument with some of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he began to tell them the truth of the situation about Jesus. And they didn't like it. They were getting upset. And Stephen took them and walked them from Abraham into Jacob, into their slavery in Egypt, to Moses, taking them out of Egypt, into King David, all the way up to Jesus, and saying, you are the ones that have killed the prophets. You are the ones that have now killed this prophet Jesus, and you are held responsible. Well, they didn't like that. So what they did is they found, they moved him out and took him out into the streets. And as they were moving him along, they were picking up their stones. Now there's a lot, I, I, I've considered and thought of ways that one might die. I wouldn't want to die by, by fire. That would be terrible. Drowning would be miserable. But I could not imagine being stoned to death. Um, and as Stephen got backed into a corner, they started throwing their rocks. And they threw their rocks. And Stephen didn't stop. He kept speaking the truth. He kept declaring who Jesus was. And the Bible says that Stephen stood there and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Echoing the very words of Jesus when Jesus was on the cross. And the Bible says that he fell asleep and they continued to throw stones. And he died. And standing in the back, giving his approval, was Saul. Watching. Not picking up a stone but giving his blessing. Acts 8.1 says, And Saul approved of his execution. He approved of his execution. Does that surprise you? 
given what we've read, I would say no, not based on who Paul said he was. Have you ever known someone with their heart so hard that they're so set in their ways that it seems like they would even go to violence, destruction, to try to end something? Can we relate with that today? I would say yes. We see it in Oregon. We saw it in Salt Lake. I was downtown uh, delivering machines for work. You see all the broken glass, all the broken windows down 2nd East. And it's, if there's ever a time that people need to know the freedom provided in Jesus, it is today. And you might say, but some people's hearts are so hard that you can't, you can't penetrate. You can't make a difference. But I have to hold on to this principle. I have to hold on to this hope that there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it. Let's continue Paul's story in Acts chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. And it says this, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Verse 4. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. You see, we might know people whose hearts are so hardened that it seems impossible to penetrate. That was Paul's heart. But then he had an encounter with Jesus. The story goes on to say that God sends one of his disciples to go down to Paul and there he ministered to him. And the, the, the disciple didn't want to go because he knew who Paul was. Why do I want to go help this guy that's been persecuting and killing people and imprisoning people of the church? But God said, go, I have a plan for Paul. I have a plan for Paul's life to send him into the regions outside of Jerusalem to be my missionary to the Gentiles. And so he goes. And there the... What the Bible says, what fell off of his eyes were like scales, and he could see again, and he ate, and he was strengthened. And there he begins his ministry. The, see, the thing is, I think the thing we, we, we have a hard time with is we think we've got to hit the home run every time. If I'm having a conversation with someone, I've got to lead them from the beginning to salvation within 30 minutes. My friends, it's not our job to convert or to change a person's heart. We, have, we don't have that power. It is our job to present the truth. It is our job to give the truth to the people. And then the Holy Spirit does the work to soften the heart. To work on the heart. You see, it's our job to put a stone in their shoe. Something to walk away thinking about. 
We're there to plant the seed. The Bible says some plant the seed, some water the seed, some harvest the seed. There's different phases. There's different timing for different things. You, you see, do you think that when Stephen is telling the truth about who Jesus is, that the guy standing in the back signing off on his death would become the greatest missionary the world has ever seen? That he would become the one that would write more than half of the New Testament. You see, Stephen just did what God told him to do, and that was to share the truth, to give the truth. You, you would think that Paul would have heard that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And then when he hears Stephen say the same thing, that maybe made a dent in his heart. You see... Stephen didn't know that when he was sharing the truth that Paul, that Saul would become Paul. See, God has a plan, a purpose for you, for me, for the people we come in contact with. Are we willing to speak the truth even though sometimes it might hurt, that sometimes it might be uncomfortable? Are we willing to take that step of faith and allow God to use us you see I have to believe that there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it we might not see it we might not see that person come to know Jesus but when you walk the streets of gold one day and they run up to you and they say you know you might not remember me, but we had that conversation at Macy's one day. And what you said had a profound impact on my life. Or that day you're standing at work and it seems like I, I, I got to talk to this person. And then they, they quit. They move on or you move on. And then you see them and they're like, you know what? It was because of what you shared with me. You know, and then there's some people, it doesn't matter what you say to them. They don't hear it. They won't hear it. But your life, the way you live your life, will speak louder than a thousand words you could throw in their direction. You know, Forrest, you told me all the time that Jesus loved me. But it was through you showing me that Jesus loves me that it actually made an impact on my heart and on my life. You see, are we willing to take those steps, to do those things, What would this place look like? What would our city look like, our neighborhoods look like if we were that people, if we were that group of people that through the way we lived our lives, through the, the words we said to one another, through the way we treated one another, people could see the love of Jesus in our hearts and in our lives, and it impacted them where they were at. I think it would be powerful. I think we would see a move of God like we haven't seen in a long time. So my plea to you, if your heart's hardened, take down the walls. If your heart, if, I, I, you know, we go through things sometimes, uh, and I said this last week, our perception of where God is when we're going through something either builds our faith or, or lessens our faith. If I can look at this situation and say, you know, 
God's using this to grab my attention, and I turn my attention to Him, my faith grows. If I'm going through a situation, and I say, God, why, why are you, you've cast me away, and then my faith decreases. Sometimes God has to use hard stuff to grab our attention. Sometimes we're so stubborn that it takes a hard situation for God to bring our attention back to Him. Are you in that situation? Are you in that situation like Paul, where it took Jesus doing something pretty drastic to grab his attention? Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's drastic. God, take down the, the, the barriers and allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart. Because in Jesus is found peace, hope, grace, love, and compassion. Does a life as a Christian compel us to live differently? Yes. But my friends, is that a bad thing? Living the way of the world, is that the way to live? No, my friends. God wants us to live in freedom. And that's what we're going to explore. That's what we're going to see as we go through Galatians. God wants freedom for us. He wants, you know, the, it is for freedom that God has set us free. It is for freedom that he has set us free. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, If you're in a situation where you feel like God's grabbing a hold of your, trying to get a hold of your heart, if maybe you're, you, you're in the middle of something, I'd love to pray with you. Because I believe that God can use those situations to, to pull us into the right direction. So, Father, we come to you this morning, and I ask that, first, if you're trying to get our attention, that we would listen to that still, small voice of you grabbing our attention. Father, that our hearts would be softened, that we would turn to you. I ask, Father, that you would speak to us. Lord, whether we are in this room or we are watching online, wherever we are, I pray that you would meet us where we're at. And if someone is making a decision for the first time to make you Lord of their life, I pray that you would meet them right where they're at in this moment. May they feel your presence. Lord, as they declare, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Wipe away the past and make me new. We believe for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, something I want you to reflect on over the next week. Allow the Lord to soften your heart towards people that drive you crazy. Whether it's political, religious, or they just plain pain in your neck. Allow God to soften your heart towards those people. Because... God can use us to reach them. And my challenge is this, not to respond in like, but to respond in love and grace. Don't get in the argument. Don't get in the fighting match. Respond in love and grace. And next week, we're going to look at and discover more about how uh, the life of Paul and how the gospel transformed and shaped his life.
Until then, my friends, may you go with God and allow him to use you to continue to impact the people you come in contact with. And don't forget, in the back we have the, the card for the police officers. If you'd like to sign that, it is back there. Thank you for being here. I love you, and I will see you next week. God bless.